0: Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. I am Jamie Hampton, and today I am really excited that I get to be here to talk with Molly Ovenden, author of the devotional Closer, Spiritual Reflections for Writers and Thinkers. And uh, this is just a really great opportunity to Talk about the power of the written word and so and, and a bunch of other things too. But Molly, thank you so much for being here to share your book with us and to share your heart.
1: Thanks for having me, Jamie. I'm really excited to chat with you.
0: Um, well, before we get into talking about your book, I would just love to ask you, we love to ask all of our guests, what is your favorite prayer closet? So it could be off the wall. It could be very mm-hmm. traditional. Where do you go to meet with God?
1: Yeah. So I'm a runner and I live in Northern Minnesota. So about a 15 to 20 minute drive brings me to the shores of Lake Superior. And I love the rhythm of the waves and I love the jarring rhythm of running. And so my favorite prayer closet is to be by the water where I feel like there's this wide open space that I can breathe and to either have that gentle rhythm or the jarring rhythm to help me be present and actually hear from God. That's my favorite place.
0: That's great. I can tell you're a writer. I just, I can tell by the way you describe that. It's it's (laughs) wonderful, but I've never heard that of the the gentle rhythm the jarring rhythm um but i think that um for me i i think i might be a little bit adhd or something hmm. i just i my my brain is just like chaos sometimes and i feel like rhythms and kind of background things will sometimes help me to focus or hmm. maybe it's um just everybody but i i hear so many people talking about whether it's walking or running, or you know, just being in nature—that that kind of helps have this undercurrent of activity or of something that helps us focus more. But I like what you said about rhythm. I think that might be the key for me—is having rhythms yeah. and just kind of getting your mind into the the zone. <laughs> mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> well, I I would love to talk about your book, and so so your book is called closer. So, could you talk about this it's more than a journal. It's it's devotions, it's all kinds of things. So, could you just tell us a little bit about what what this book is, how it came to be and who it's for?
1: Yeah. So, it came about in kind of 2009 to 2011 was that sort of uh stage when I was really writing it without realizing I was writing a book. So I graduated from university with a teaching degree in middle school and high school English class during the recession in the States, 2008, 2009 recession. So I was looking for work, applying in my pajamas at home, (laughs) hours on end. I had some interviews and... So many of the schools that I interviewed with wanted teachers with five years plus of experience. And because it was a recession and so many people were out of work, they were able to be really picky like that. So I couldn't find work. (laughs) Simultaneously, I had been dating this cute English boy and was trying to figure out, am I going to move to England to marry him? (laughs) And so I had just, you know, graduated college, I'm making massive life decisions, everything feels uncertain. And so I just started kind of throwing up my thoughts out on the page and just processing these things. And it was really a, a way of just kind of getting my thoughts in order as I was journaling, nothing specific, no formula for journaling or anything like that. But it was just stuff that I was experiencing and trying to process. And I began to share it with friends, my girlfriends in small group at church. And as I was sharing these things that I thought were just every day, I'm trying to figure my life out, like I'm a young 20 something, what do I do? And These other women were saying, oh, wow, like that's really making me think and like, oh, that's super encouraging that God's speaking to you through that, where I'm feeling like, ah, it's such a mess. (laughs) And then as I'm having these conversations, then more and more, they were like, have you thought about writing a book? Have you thought about putting these, this would be so great as a devotional, da, 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 da. And so I adjusted my journaling, kept stirring things around like that. And as I then decided to move to England to marry my now husband in um, April 2011 is when we got married. I went over on a tourist visa. So initially, so I couldn't work or study or volunteer legally. So everything was stripped away and I was left with writing and
0: art. You can't art. volunteer legally. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, because you could get something under the table, you oh, know. So. I see. I see. Yeah. And so I probably could have, right. But it was so important to me to be able to be in the same country as my right. husband, as this man I loved. And so everything stripped away. The leftovers was this writing and art. So I, I did that feeling like, oh, that's all I have. And then across the span of like 10 years of doing this work in writing and creating and Allowing myself to realize that I had something to say as I'm sharing through the process. I revised this book multiple times, continued the conversations and realized, okay, December 1st, 2021, I'm in a goal setting workshop. I have to get this book out. (laughs) So that was really the catalyst point. I'd been coaching uh, writers for a while and teaching creative writing workshops to I still feel like I teach teenagers. They just look like us. They're adults, (laughs) teenagers in adult bodies. And they're asking questions about publishing books. They're asking questions about finishing projects. And there was no good reason for me to not get it out. So I made the decision to independently publish this book. And that's kind of the, the genesis of it is it was a messy process of me figuring my life out, sharing it with others in conversation and community, and then realizing, oh, it's not what's left over. It's actually what I have to offer.
0: That's great. I just love that. I think those are the best kinds of books. The ones that are, they they come out of something else and and they just kind of choose to be a book. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is great. Well, so what do you think about just journaling in general do you think I mean obviously you are a writer but do you think everybody should journal do you think it's for some people for others there are other ways or what are your thoughts
1: I think particularly for women but not exclusively how our brains are wired they can get in a right mess (laughs) And when we can put the stuff on the page there's clarity to it it's not cycling around again and again. And so I think journaling is a really good tool for processing in those hard situations. And it's also a really good rhythm. So I like rhythm, I guess. (laughs) It's a good rhythm of being able to go back to see what's happening, to find patterns, to um, notice what needs to change. And in terms of connecting with God, I think journaling partners really well with a lot of spiritual practices, whether they're physical or contemplative prayer or, um, prayer journals too, and being able to keep records of what you've prayed for and see God's faithfulness in that. So should everybody journal? I don't know, but it sure works for a lot of people. And I think part of this book functioning, I, I wanted to, um, kind of diffuse the mystery behind journaling. It doesn't really matter what you write, just get something down and I think that process helps unlock whatever is kind of stuck in the way in that
0: moment. I agree and I I feel like the I always think of the process of writing um not so much typing even but writing for me typing might do it too but when I'm actually writing longhand which I don't do nearly as much as I should um there's an untangling that happens. Like I feel like as I'm writing my thoughts go from like a pot of spaghetti (laughs) to spaghetti on the wall in patterns that I can kind of look at, Oh, okay. And I didn't know that I'm feeling this way about this, this, and this, and that's all the same thing. And I think the same, the same goes with my prayers. Like when I'm prayer journaling, I'll think, Oh my goodness, my prayer list is so long and my burdens are so heavy. And I write them down and I realize 20 prayers fall into three categories. And so I can kind of visually declutter my prayer life even. And and so there really is power, not in just even the physical writing down, which there is power, but Mm -hmm. seeing it on a page, organizing it. Um, and I know Alana, my co-host taught me, um, sticky note journaling. So like using sticky notes as a form of journaling for people that aren't into like having page after page. If you think more compartmentally, you can do it that way. And so I don't know for you, do you have any, any um, suggestions for women that aren't the traditional novel type journal writer of how they can get their thoughts and words out there if it's either not on paper or if it's on paper, but in a, in a different way or ways to reflect without writing like a writer?
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important distinction too. Jamie is, yes, I am a writer. I'm a published author. And I also journal. And those don't need to happen at the same time. They can inform each other, but you don't have to uh, Publish a book in order to keep a journal and vice versa. And so I think that how I've found journaling to be effective in my life is it's seasonal. So sometimes, sometimes writing it down is bullet points. Sometimes it is just, I've got a lot spinning around and I need to get it out in that novel, novel format. But I think it's taking that pause to allow ourselves to reflect, you know, God calls us to be still and know that he's God. And if we're just running races constantly, and we're not pausing to just take a deep breath, there, there can be a, a, a problem. I think we, we have an ebb and flow in life that is very easy to just be in flow constant. And so pulling back in the form of just pausing for reflection. And I've had, I had a new job a number of years back where it was, it was very anxious. It was a steep learning curve. And I had alarms in my phone every three hours to do an examine. So the contemplative prayer, um, spiritual practice of looking at in the last 24 hours, or in this case, in the last three hours, what are the things that happened that filled me up, delighted me that I felt good about, or I felt encouraged? What are the things that um, drained me that I felt angry about or sad or scared or less than? Where was God in those good things, those consolations? Where was God in those desolations, those kind of draining things? And what does he want to say to me in those moments? And that examine process, I would just take out a piece of paper and just kind of jot down my couple of thoughts. And it took less than five minutes because I was at work while I was doing it. So I wasn't, you know, trying to take lots of time. But even just taking that pause, if you have an alarm on your phone to just kind of bullet point through like, where am I up to, how am I feeling, where is God in this? And I think I wanted to say another thing too that I found was was really helpful in a season that I was frustrated in my marriage. The first couple of years were tough and I just felt like I don't even know what to pray for and I just feel mad and my husband's not changing. <laughs> and so I decided that I'm going to write down All of my honest thoughts in prayer form, lift them up to God in this little, like, small, small journal. I'm holding my hands up right now. So listeners can't see, but like a two by four kind of index card size journal or like that Post it note size journal is really small. And I just wrote what I could. Please help him with blah, blah, blah. And I'll tell you what, that process of letting go on the page even a line at a time or a page at a time, not only was I feeling freer, but I also was pulling back and noticing where God was at work in my husband's life. And that is just so beautiful.
0: That is. And I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. I think so many times half the battle is stopping and being still and, and, And we don't do that. I was just talking to a friend recently who had retired and he said, you know, I have all this time now. I've been doing a lot of camping and hiking and just kind of getting away. And he's like, I've just been spending so much time reflecting on my life and realizing that up to this point, I never did that. Like Mm -hmm. imagine, you know, getting, getting to retirement and being like, I never really reflected ever. (laughs) And it's so true for most of us through the day-to-day if we're not intentional. And I think journaling is such a great way to make time for that. And it's not always about the writing. It's about the pause and the reflection and however you choose to get the word on the page or the thought on whatever, the thought out of your brain. Like that's, yeah. that's the power. But I, I love that every three-hour reflection, that's very... Um, very helpful. I think that could be helpful mm. for a lot of us. Mm. Um. So do you, do you have any stories or just thoughts about um, just ways that journaling has impacted your prayer life or anecdotes about revelations as you've journaled or ways that it's brought you closer to God or that you've seen him move in ways that maybe you wouldn't have without journaling?
1: Yeah. You know, so this book itself is like a time capsule for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of this stuff was from 10 years ago from 2023 Molly and ten, you know 10 10 plus years ago and I think to be able to look back and so much so much of what prevented me from try- trying to actually publish the book previously was Every year I would cautiously revisit it and think, oh, my gosh, I don't believe that anymore. (gasps) Oh, I wouldn't say that. And so knowing that my faith and my relationship with God evolved every single time that I revised the manuscript is is a really cool thing that had I not written it in the beginning, I wouldn't have recognized how much I changed through my 20s. And to be able to look back and see the seeds that God had planted in that age. And then to, to know that my, my thoughts, my reflections were a springboard for conversation. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, not, I think this is something that I talk with, with my students and clients and in, in journaling workshops and, and writing um classes, what if what if people read my
0: journal? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> and I am a big advocate
1: of writing it down and setting it on fire literally. Yes.
0: me too, me too.
1: So I think that if we can allow just that process to be a tool, and then it's like a springboard to be able to move forward. So I I just really feel like having having that, knowledge that my story, my personal, very normal, mundane lived experience, for some reason in God's economy is like a gift for other people. That's cool. It is. <laughs> and it, it really encourages me in my own writing life as I really seek to to notice God in the everyday and to pause and even before we were talking today I was I went for a walk outside and I was just noticing like all of these weeds there's a really beautiful invasive species where I live called tansy and it's this bright yellow um circular flower and I just I love it and I just was noticing that. But if I didn't take time to be looking for where God is and looking for that beauty, I would not notice it. And that process of, of journaling and always looking like, oh, could I write about this? Or, "Ooh, is God in this? That, that practice of engaging my senses, that helps me be aware and engaged in other conversations in everyday life. And when I write it down, that's like a little stake in the ground.
0: That is so good. And as you, I, I feel like kind of knowing that you're journaling kind of primes your mind to notice. And so I don't know if that makes sense, but I know like Alana and I will do Um, like, we had a practice for a very long time. We've kind of gotten away from it, but before we would start recording each of our, we record in batches. So we'll record like two or three of our Conversational prayer episodes at a time. And before we would start, we always had a time of confession. We haven't done that in like probably over six months now. But knowing that was coming made us both aware of things that needed confessing, which was really good. I mean, it was just like, it just kind of got you in the habit of being mindful of what you were doing and what you were thinking. And, and, um, how that aligned with God's best and didn't. So it's the same with journaling. When I'm in a regular habit of journaling, I'll think, I don't know. It just gets me, I, it like trains your brain to notice things, to think more deeply about things, to reflect more. Even if you're not going to write it, you kind of know that you're in that habit. So I love that. Yeah. I love that about journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, so in in your book, you talk about um the different names and attributes of god being really important to you um so i did um i did a study at one point on on the different names of god and just couldn't believe how powerful they were and so could you talk about that i i totally agree with you can you share that passion for those names and attributes and what they've meant for you
1: yeah i i think i want to share two specific names Um, and how, yeah, how they're really impacting me right now. So one is my heavenly father and the other is Jesus as my friend. So I struggled with my relationship with my dad. He passed away when I was 17 and I had been starting to follow Jesus for a few years before he died. And I'm really grateful because I started seeing a different way of fathering. And even though that was more than half my life ago, (laughs) I still continue to learn more about who God is as my, as my perfect heavenly father. For a long time, I felt scared to approach that authority figure, or I, um, I always say like the heavenly father (laughs) or like the father God. Mm -hmm. And a couple of years ago, I started every once in a while noticing as I'm healing a bit more where I've like, oh, I just said my heavenly father, my father God. And when I, when I have said the, it's this like hands out in front of me Mm -hmm. sort of distancing like, yep fathers tell me what to do and I do it. (laughs) There's, there's no emotional. This just tell me what to do. God is Mm -hmm. a prayer that I've had for years. Just tell me what to do. I don't want to you know, process this stuff. I don't want to get close to you. That's scary. I'll talk to Jesus. I'll talk to the Holy spirit. That's great. Listening. Just tell me what to do the father God. And the more that I recognized my Daughterness identity as I'm a daughter of the King of Kings, deeply loved by my Heavenly Father. Wow, that's transformational. And there's been so much healing as I'm like kind of going back to being little five year old Molly who just, you know, loved running around and spinning in circles and playing in the water and and all of that but then also had just some scary things that I was always afraid of the dark and had nightmares and all of these things that happened Um, you know nothing especially bad but just when we're young we just make these meanings of things we don't understand and there's that a darkness that can happen and and as I've been processing this learning to see that my heavenly father loves me so much and there's literally nothing that I can do that will make him love me more or less is mind blowing and it's so safe because I was so afraid as a kid and even now as a grown up sometimes but as a kid I was so afraid to make mistakes <laughs> and and my heavenly father is like not bothered about me being human that's why he sent Jesus, his son. And so that that relationship is definitely growing and is healing more and more. And the more I share about it, the more it heals. And Jesus is my friend. I have this really amazing memory just from, gosh, a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago during the pandemic, <laughs> where I was praying and I just was praying with some other friends and I just, I could not, I'm like clenching my fist right now. I could not get to the father. I was so scared. And I had this image as we were praying of Jesus, my friend, God, and I feel really emotional talking about it right now. Jesus, my friend came and sat down next to me and said, I'll take you to my father. Will you come with me? (laughs) Like, Oh, God is pursuing me and pursuing you <laughs> with such gentle, unending, patient affection and love that he, in this time of prayer, sent his son again <laughs> to just sit next to me and just say, "Like, I get that you're scared and you don't have to be, but it's okay that you feel that way and I'm with you. And whenever you're ready, you can come. And so like this kind of life season of my second half of thirties is really that, that approaching my father with my friend to, Mm -hmm. to experience the presence of God. And it's, yeah, it's really powerful. And I love that until i'm dead it's never over i just keep growing closer to god and and i want to yeah i want to keep growing closer
0: oh, that is so good molly i love that what a beautiful picture and i just i i just feel really strongly somebody needs to hear all of that today probably all of us i know i did and i'm sure everyone does but i just feel really strongly that was just a really important message. And like what you said about God, I think that we all kind of feel either one or the other or both about like, that we need to know that there's nothing that we could do to gain his disapproval. And there's nothing we can do to gain his approval. And I, I see myself on both ends of that spectrum striving or being blocked. So on one end it's, oh, I've done this, God, and I was just talking to someone today who was basically like, why on earth would God listen to me after what I did, after what I just said, after my attitude, after me never praying about anything else? Why would God listen to me? Um and I think we've all been there, like like we've gained we we feel like we've gained God's disapproval through what we have or haven't done or have or haven't said. And on the other end of the spectrum, I think where I err the most is this idea that somehow I need to work to keep his approval. And it's, it's not as much of the, I need to, you know, oh, I've lost his approval. It's unconsciously because consciously I know that there's nothing I can do, but unconsciously I'm, I'm constantly working overtime to prove something to someone. And, and yep. ultimately I think it's to earn God's approval like i have to do this and if i don't then who will and if i don't then i'm not good enough and those are they're so damaging and they're tools of the enemy it's deception mm. it's the way that satan works is mm. to twist truth or flat out make us believe lies or or put them in front of us like a like a veil of deception like the way a lens through which we see the world and it's a fight i think to stay in and and not even just a fight to remember the truth but to just even process like cuz i i i strive against this thing of like but why why would he just love me just for me why like wh- mm-hmm. and so yeah thank thank you lord for jesus because without him and without that um Without that truth to stand on, it just wouldn't logically probably make sense to us to yeah. be able to to rest in that love. So anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, I just, I'm laughing over here because I had about a year and a half season of telling God how stupid Grace is <laughs> because
0: <laughs>
1: he always gets the short end of the stick. <laughs> how is this a good idea? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And it it's just that like the the paradox of the gospel is it it often doesn't make sense in human terms. But yeah. Well, reflecting on this whole book, you've got all of these really very interesting like stories and each chapter, each devotional is just very um, like you said, it's it's like a journey. It's your own journey. So which was your, what one was your favorite to write or your favorite to reflect on and why?
1: Yeah, I really love the one on cleaning the toilet (laughs) because I don't know anybody who likes cleaning the toilet. And I think this is how a lot of us feel about confession and coming to terms with our sin up close and that we need a savior. And also the routineness. Oh, my gosh. I'm just very annoyed with routine generally right now. Like, why can't the dishes stay clean? Why can't the bathroom stay clean? Why can't? uh, And it's, again, this rhythm. This is maybe a theme. So thanks for talking through this. This is your next
0: book. (laughs) is going to have something to do with rhythm.
1: I think so. And so cleaning the toilet, it's something that we have to do regularly confessing sin we have to do it regularly because we get we get messy and dirty and that's not bad that's not something there there's nothing wrong with us it's just a matter of living and the other reason alongside this very practicalness of it But another reason I really liked it is for about 10 years, since I started writing it until December 1st, 2021, when I realized that the name was Closer, Spiritual Reflections for Writers and Thinkers, it was called On the Pot, a 30-Day Devotional. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And once I realized that people would actually read it, people who didn't know me and know my sense of humor... um, then I realized I need to change the name, but it's very, it's very affectionate. My mom says, you always talk about your bodily functions. (laughs) And so, um, it's good for my mom that it has a different title, but I just really love that, that devotional, um, on cleaning the toilet, because we're all in the bathroom. Why not pair going into the bathroom, cleaning the toilet with cleaning our soul. It's something that just needs to happen and it doesn't need to have a judgment over it. It's just one of those routine rhythms to go through. I love
0: that. So yesterday, I actually, I was cleaning my toilet and this has never happened to me before, but the like cleaner, it sprayed up and I got it in my eye. Like it was, oh my gosh, it was like, (laughs) as I was cleaning the toilet. So it was toilet water as well. And I yeah. were contacts. So I'm thinking immediately, I've got to take them off. I'm going to get pink eye, got E. coli in my eyeball, you know, but anyway, I am certain there's a spiritual parallel there somewhere. So yeah. Yeah. It probably goes <laughs> right along with, with your chapter on cleaning the toilet. But um, anyway, enough about toilets. I, I love that. And I, I do love your sense of humor. I would have bought it if it was called on the pot. Totally. Cause <laughs> I I'm with you with, with that sense of humor. <laughs>
1: Thank you.
0: Um, well, so this, this book is kind of geared toward people that might want to write or share their faith story. So how important would you say is it to get a handle on what our story is, particularly because I think a lot of us think my story isn't really a story I was raised in the church. I Don't have a huge, like awesome conversion story or on the flip side, whoa, my story's messy. Like, I don't want to write my story down. I don't want anyone to hear it. And, you know, it's a little too exciting. Like, what would you say? Why is it important? and, And how do we go about getting past some of those blocks of getting our story down?
1: Yeah, well, I think really simply God, I believe that God is a creator And that we are as people created in his image, therefore we're creative. And so as we live life, we are creating a story with God, sometimes, sometimes not with God. And that's where it gets interesting. But to recognize that we are stories, there are little conflicts, big conflicts, there are areas in our lives that have caused us to be at a crossroads, to, to recognize that we can change or not, and to adjust how we're showing up, and we can choose to heal, we can choose to confess something or not. And having those opportunities is part of being creative. We can, with God, co-create the the, the good, abundant life that he promises for us and we all have mundane stuff that we will call our girlfriends up we will tell someone at the gas station oh my gosh this thing just happened to me that is sharing your story that is the power of testimony. Anytime that you say something to encourage someone else, you are sharing part of your testimony because if you have something to encourage someone else, it's likely because of an experience you've had, which as mundane as, you know, peeling a pomegranate, as uh, running as cleaning the toilet, as mundane as those things, we've experienced something where, We've seen God at work or we've wished that we've seen God at work and we can say an encouraging word to another person. And when you're when you feel like your life is extreme in some regard, you are not the only one (laughs) we you know, we can just read in the Bible at all of these people's lives who in that Cliff Notes version that we get to read in the Bible Wow, there are a lot of people who have been through hard stuff, and when we look at those highlights, it feels very controversial and very extreme. But the reality is, we relate to them. We do because we're human, and so much of the journaling process, uh, you know, partnering with contemplative prayer or something, or praying with God in in writing, or writing your story to share with other people, we have to process it first ourselves with God and in safe spaces. So I think the idea of journaling that you're going to have to share it with someone, I just want to encourage you to let go of that right now, because journaling is a tool to get closer to God. It doesn't have to be shared with someone else. But sometimes we need to process the extreme or the mundane in order to recognize that we do have something to share.
0: That's great. And and it goes back to your own story of this book of just kind of writing a few things down and having people say, wow, like this, this impacted me. and And you didn't even realize that just your reflections on everyday things could make such an impact. So. Yeah. And who and knows? Oh, go ahead. I
1: was just going to say, and that idea of the, the power of the conversation from journaling, um, like you said, you never know how it's going to impact people. And to celebrate the year of Closer being out in the world, though, so the first birthday, I started a podcast to record conversations. These with my friends today and and to have these same kind of conversations that i was having with with friends a decade or so ago and it's just that power of pausing and the rhythm of reflecting that sometimes you write a little bit and sometimes you just kind of link arms through through the screen and recognize that you're not alone that is great
0: Well, where can our listeners find your book, Closer, Spiritual Reflections for Writers and Thinkers, and your podcast, and connect with you on social media and online?
1: Yeah, definitely. So the best place is Mollyovenden.com. and there you can find information about my podcast. You can go to the online shop if you want a signed copy of the book that's where you can buy it. Otherwise, my books are available uh most places online where you can buy them. And social media, I'm Molly Ovenden Creativity. So you can find me on I live mostly on Facebook and Instagram, but I'm in a few other places
0: occasionally too. All right. We will make sure everybody has that information and we'll tag you when we post things. And yeah, that would be great to. In touch with you. Um, and I, I want to listen to your podcast. I haven't done that yet. So, what is your podcast called?
1: Oh, it's called Closer the Podcast.
0: All right. That is so easy. <laughs> you made it so easy for us. Closer the Podcast. Okay. I'm writing this down so I can add that to our notes. Well, Molly, thank you for being here with us. Um, and uh, what, how can we pray for you? I'm going to close us up in prayer, but um, how can we pray for you today?
1: Thanks so much, Jamie. I would love just continued partnership in prayer for my regular prayers right now, which is as my husband's from England and I live, we live in Minnesota, we long for a home of our own in Minnesota and in England And as a creative, I would love that rhythm of regular, reliable income that comes from my creativity. So those are my prayer requests.
0: Thank you. Okay. Well, let's Mm -hmm. pray. God, we just thank you so much for this time with Molly. Thank you for using her story, her heart, um, her gift of writing to bless women and just to point people to you and to who you are. Um, I just thank you for all of the different attributes and names you possess, Lord, that you're not just one. You're not just one thing that we can put a finger on. You are so much. You're so multifaceted. And even in a lifetime of incremental knowing, we'll never know even a little piece of, of who you are probably until eternity. But thank you for giving us the privilege of getting to know you in in the capacity that our human minds can comprehend. Thank you for your patience with us, just in Molly's um, talking about her relationship with you and her prayer life and the relationship of Jesus, the friend and God, the loving father. Um, Thank you that you relate to us in ways that we can understand and grow in. Thank you for your patience with us, your grace with us. And we just continue to pray, God, that you would help us to see you even more clearly for who you are, that you would remove any external false understandings of who you are that we might try to attach or um, anthropomorphize and um, make you more like our own image. Um, Help us to see you in your image, who you are, and help us to become more like your son, Jesus, um, in the process. Lord, I just lift up Molly and her husband. We just pray that you would give them the desires of their hearts, um, just to, to have homes in England and in the U S and, and to be able to have those needs met. Lord, I just, um, we just pray that you would protect their marriage, that you would help them to draw closer to you and closer to each other in the process. Lord, we just pray that you would open doors for Molly through her podcast, through her writing, through her coaching, that you would just allow her to be able to be self-sustaining, that, that this would be something that she could do vocationally as well as ministry, and that you would bless that God in abundance, that you would get the word out about all of the things that she's doing, um, that you'd open doors for more women than she could ever imagine to um, to meet you through Molly's work. And we just continue to pray for vision for her, for next steps, for you to order her thoughts and her steps so that she's shedding the things that need to be shed and doubling down on the things that you have set in front of her as as things that only she can do and, and that you would be glorified in the process. In Jesus' name, amen.